Hello again, listeners. This is System Mastery, the greatest podcast you'll ever hear if you don't listen to any other podcasts. Each week, us gentlemen too gather in the sitting parlor and discuss games of roleplay long past. Today, we bring you Ace Agents, a tome of mystery, intrigue, daring do, and... No, I'm kidding. It's a, it's a, it's a G.I. Joe parody. Now, on with the show! about this game because I don't even remember the stats. Uh, I remember most of the things about this game. Okay. The actual, I mean, honestly, once you get to a certain point in reviewing games, you're like, I could just say that one of the stats is strength and one is dexterity and there's a really good chance that I am correct. That is true. I mean, we'd only be wrong in a couple instances in our various games. I don't think that's the case in uh, Nobilis. I don't think that's the case in Ghostbusters. I believe uh, in that one, strength is still there, but agility has been replaced with like cool or something. Yeah. So, you know, unless it's weird. And this one is not really weird. It it kind of is... Eh? It, it, it's kind of like a 90s joke about the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it is a very aware of its setting. Yeah, uh, it, it's like watching joke. a Saturday Night Live parody from like a 1992 season episode about Cheers. Ah. It's, it's, it's similar to that. Like, you're like, what are they joking about? It's It's weird. It's like they're... It's like they're speaking French with a German accent. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, so Ace Agents, it is uh, is very much a take on the G.I. Joe thing. Oh yeah, it is straight up G.I. Joe, the game. Oh, yeah. Except it's kind of a jokey parody of G.I. Joe. Yeah, I, I like it because it took the idea of G.I. Joe, like the actual organization... And then married it to G.I. Joe, what happens with, like, the merchandising and stuff that actually went on in the 80s with cartoons. That was actually very clever. Yeah, I like that a lot. So let's let's talk about the setting of this game. Yeah. So, uh, the base setting for Ace Agents... Oh, wait a minute. Let's introduce ourselves. We no, that's crap. We haven't done that yet. That seems like... You know, it's super evident who we are. I, okay, well, there's, there's that. There's the consistent complaint that we sound exactly like each other. That's a regular thing. But really, I'm more worried about potential new listeners. Why would you worry about potential new listeners? Nobody new is listening to us. I know, we have a loyal group of diehard fans. But... You've been here for years, you'll be here for years more. <laughs> We're an established IP. Just in case you're a brand new listener to the show, let's explain what it is. Because I feel like we need to start doing that, because I get weird questions from people, and it's obvious that they just didn't... All right, just listen so recently. fine. Our podcast is we review RPGs while slowly getting naked. <laughs> it's understood. It's like uh, it's like some oh god, what's that guy's name? Uh, Howard Stern. Yeah, it's like it's, the Howard Stern. It's show. some Howard Stern stuff. Don't worry, you won't see anything. But we'll be like, whoa, whoa that's a wiener in a sausage. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what that describes. Anyway, I'm, I'm pretty Jeff. sure that's just a British item of food. <laughs> a wiener, uh, a give wiener. me a wiener in a sausage. Give me a wiener and a banger in a sausage. <laughs> Uh, Hurry up, I'm late for Queen's Day or something, I don't know <laughs> Anyway, I'm Jeff, and this is John I certainly am, we sound exactly alike We do, well, let's do impressions of each other Yeah. Okay. I'm John and I'm, I'm Jeff And together we're the, the System Mastery Podcast well, I, I've been doing podcasting for years <laughs> 
it's get just, out of my mind. It's true. I do. I do have a tendency to hoard gold and keep people away from my gold. Oh, get away! This is my plot. I'm panning for gold. So each week on System Mastery, or every other week on System Mastery, we get together and review old role playing games that people mail us or that we find. And they, we try to stick to ones that are weird and crazy and old. Mostly out of print. Yeah. Because, you know, role-playing is a uh, a delicate sort of balance between people buying things and people putting stuff out. We don't want to fuck over any sort of publisher by telling them that they are bad. Oh, no. We don't want to do anything to anyone who's got a book, or who's got that book in print. Uh, because, yeah, the, we all know that the industry is hanging on by crazy little threads. Like spider silk type threads. Oh yeah, it's stronger than steel, but only if you've got a whole lot of it and you don't. Well, it is like that, because you get these diehard super fans, but there aren't enough of them. No. So, we, we try to be nice to modern games, but uh, we didn't find a modern game this week. No, no we did not. Ace was, Gents, as, as my girlfriend calls it. Yeah, Ace Gents is uh, like 92, mm-hmm. so this was interesting. For the time, but it's, like we said, a parody of the G.I. Joe idea. Yeah. Uh, The basic premise for this game is the world has understood that there's a lot more technology and, uh, like, terrorism is getting to a point where there's more, like, super weapons and hacking and, like, crazy ability to do shenanigans. So the U.S. and all these other nations were like, we need to make... An anti-terrorism task force. Right. And so they created the ACE Agents. And it stands for uh, Alpha Command Echelon or something like that. I think it was originally just Alpha Command. And yeah. They, they wanted it to spell ACE, so they added Echelon. And the reason they wanted that is because there was a mix-up. And uh, there was originally the whole uh, Alpha Command protocol thing was supposed to be super top secret. Mm-hmm. And then there was supposed to be a press release about a uh, scholarship that they were giving to one of their soldiers. Mm-hmm. However, the scholarship was put into being top secret, and there was a press release about their uh, Alpha Command agent thing. Right. And instead of uh, trying to rebury what they had already let out, they decided to sort of write it, and uh, beca- basically turn their ace agents group into celebrities. Yeah, so they hired a PR guy to spin this... And so, instead of trying to be in secret, they're like, no, we're going to go full hog. They encourage their agents... Never go full hog. Yeah, go full hog. Yeah. No, don't, don't half hog you, nothing. You never go full hog. Oh, yeah, you do. Uh, I yeah. go full hog. You go partial you hog? Ever, you ever seen that first episode of Black Mirror? I go full hog. For anyone that's seen the first episode of Black Mirror, ew. I'm thinking, like, uh... Like, Babe, Pig in the City. He's only, like, three-quarters hog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I go full hog on Babe, Pig in the City. <laughs> oh, God. I have no idea what you're describing now, and I don't want to. Yeah. All right, I'm full sorry. Hog. I'm sorry I interrupted your flow to, <laughs> to get you to say full hog. Uh, so, yeah, they encourage their agents to wear outlandish uniforms, whatever they want. There's no standard uniform to wear. Uh, they encourage them to come up with their own weird nicknames and call signs. You've heard those before. Things like Roadblock or Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, so... Or Shipwreck, the gay one. <laughs> Mile High. 
Well, yeah, but the Venture Brothers really took the whole gay ones to the to dazzling new heights. But but if you ever watched the original GI Joe, Shipwreck never made any sense on that show. You'd always be like, "Yeah, let's go get Cobra. Yeah, we all have laser guns and we're dressed like army guys." And you'd always be like, "Hey, fellas, I'm Shipwreck. I'm wearing a fancy tucked-in sailor shirt, and I'm gonna go to the city instead of whatever you're doing." Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so they get that they have. The uh, so Congress shut off their funding as well was another point in the book. Mm-hmm. So they had to come up with a way to fund their agents, and so they decided to uh, go the spaceballs route. Yeah, so they have merchandising. Ace agents, the lunchbox. Ace yeah. agents, the comic book. Ace agents, the flamethrower. <laughs> the kids love this one. <laughs> yeah, there's also uh, action figures and a TV show and so on, all based around the real-life exploits of these ace agents, as they're called. Yeah, the comic books are actually stories of missions that they went on. And these and the uh, character you're playing gets bonuses if you, their, their uh, role appears in the comic book. Yeah, the more popular you are, the better you are actually in, in the game. Yeah. Uh, so you have a PR stat in this game, and it determines uh, both like how tough you are and how easily you can do things if you aren't trained and a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, because it basically represents your your conception of your own popularity. Yeah, it's how confident you are in your given role. So it literally, you use your PR stat to determine par- at least half of your hit points is derived from your PR. Yep. So it's it's uh, surprising because it, it represents your confidence to be like, yeah, of course I can take a laser in the fucking shoulder. I'm the main character. Yeah. So uh, they also ended up having, uh, as soon as they released the information that Ace Agents was a thing and they changed the name from just AC to Ace because it sounded better, uh, then there came a terrorist group. Python. Which doesn't even stand for anything. No, they haven't figured out what Python stands for but yet. They put, but they put the dots in there and changed it to all caps because it looks cooler. Yeah, they it sounds cool. They'll figure it out later. Does Cobra stand for anything? Uh, no. I don't think so. No, of course not. It's snake. It stands for some kind of snake. It, Done. Yeah, it stands for Cobra Commander. Who's yeah. a Cobra? Who's a he co- was a Cobra Commander first, and then he made Cobra. Then he made Cobra to command. Yeah. That's interesting. That's that's definitely one of those things where you dress for the job you want and not the job you have. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's why I go into work with a full blast shield down, and I'm just, <laughs> yes! Hateful! Where I normally show up for work with a full silver face. <laughs> Normally. Yeah, that's my normal thing. And then I'm like, witness me! (laughs) No, that's just silver teeth. I have have literally a whole silver head and then like a black bodysuit, and I'm always making out with the Baroness. (laughs) Uh, So this uh, Python is your main villain group? It does suggest that you use some other villain groups when you need to, uh, you know, foreign countries' versions of Python, or even your own country, because the Ace Agents aren't technically very authorized. Yeah, but Python is sort of your default Cobra. Like, occasionally they would maybe fight someone else. Yeah. Or maybe you have to team up with Python to take down a drug guy in a mountain. Yeah. A drug or mountain. You'd have to team up with Python to teach a kid not to smoke the marijuana. Yeah. Yeah, in a special episode. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe also Alvin, Simon, and Theodore are there. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe or- Maybe Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck yeah. are there. Actually, I'm going to say probably not all three of Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. Like... 
I feel like Theodore is above this. It's probably just going to be I Alvin. I feel like Theodore really is down with the green, if you know what I well, mean. Yeah, he's wearing the outfit, right? Yeah, he wears green. He's always hungry. He's tired. I mean, he's got red eyes. Yeah. He's constantly talking about how he wants to blaze it. <laughs> I remember that last part, but I do remember how he's always wearing one of those giant Bob Marley looking beanies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the ones that are like red, black, yellow, or whatever it is. And every conversation he has is about how he has been high. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, Theodore, every time, they're like, Alvin! And he's like, he's like, I want to be a celebrity. I like rock music. And they go, Simon, he's like, I'm a nerd. I like playing five games of chess at once. And then Theodore, he's just like, dude, you'll never guess what I did last week, dude. Dude, you'll never guess. Dude, I smoked two bowls. Oh my god, this koosh. Oh my god. Oh man, I have such a strong opinion on the difference between Indica and Sativa. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take me like an hour to get through it. I had Simon design a bong for me. Crazy, you guys. You guys? Oh my gosh. Crazy. Yeah, it's just like that one from uh, that movie that was so rad. Anyway, I can't remember it because I'm completely stoned. (laughs) Okay, so there you go. Anyway, moving along. So yeah, so Python, bad guys, and then they give you some sample characters. You've got... Oh the gosh, uh, Lady Lethal, Lady Lethal, uh, the Private Affair, Wrong Way, who is their pilot, Major Firepower. I, you know, Wrong Way's all right. He really appears to be a Ponch Lad McHonk ripoff, though. If you ask oh me. yeah, he's one hundred percent ripping off Ponch Lad McHonk. Yeah, that's he looks exactly. Wrong Way might be the best design that they have because the rest of them just look like generic GI Joes. My private affair is basically just like a, a ditzy blonde with a gun, and yeah, it was said that she joined up. Even though she was a typical valley girl and all of her friends were like, why are you doing that? And she didn't have a good answer. She just did. Yeah, she just felt like doing that. And then, uh, but wrong way is the MC Bat Commander from the Aquabats. <laughs> like, down to the blackened out front tooth. Yeah. Like, it's like, amazing. It, it, it almost looks like MC Bat Commander got his idea from this book. It's so close. <laughs> but uh, then again, he's, he's their pilot who can do everything but navigate. Yay. And then uh, you've got some of the bad guys are in there. So you've oh, got, yeah, like, Rad Python suit. Lord. Yeah, uh, Rad Suits. Uh, Who is in a radiation suit not wearing a Rad Suit. I know. I was disappointed. That would be my G.I. Joe character is Rad Suit, and he's wearing a Rad Suit. Oh, yeah. Like, he's just walking around in a really Rad Suit. His only deal is that his suit is radder than anyone else there. Like, it, someone would show up and be like, man, I'm looking so rad. And then he'd sidle up next to him and be like... Are you, though? And they'd be like, oh, 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 it's the 80s, and you're wearing jeans with that blazer. You got me beat, bro. <laughs> no one even does that yet. What, what is he doing, stand-up now? <laughs> yeah. I can only, yeah. The only time I imagine someone with jeans and a blazer is if a brick wall is behind them, and they're asking me what the deal is with something. Rad suit, live at the Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and what's the deal with Python? What does it stand for? Where are they getting those red lasers? Blue lasers are the good laser. Am I am I right? Red lasers are for and, shit. And how do lasers have an opinion on what to do? How are red ones evil? Blue ones are good. Who can answer me this? I don't even understand why we can see them. Uh, as this bit has gone on, I've become more Italian. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm a, now I'm a dwarf. <laughs> hey, what a, what a deal with that python, eh? Yeah, Jesus Christ. Okay, well, that just happened. All right, so so that's our character concept for Rad Suit, a uh, a stand up comedian GI Joe who, who is, is wearing, a dwarf, who is dwarf and is wearing a rad suit. Yeah, like, there just, you go. Like super rad, the raddest suit. 
But there's they, they, so basically they just did their best to introduce a bunch of GI Joe knockoffs. Yeah, they have a a fat knife clown as well. Oh yeah, Mister Deadly. Yeah, a, a resurgence of the fat knife clown archetype. Yeah, except he's got an axe instead of a knife. Well, which I guess is, he's a fat axe clown, which is you know kind of a, a different thing. Although, well, you had to escalate. Yeah, absolutely. It made sense in the '90s because nowadays a fat axe clown is a person buying deodorant at Walmart. Yeah, it's someone uh, drinking Fago. Yeah, is a yeah. fat axe clown. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. Or they're, they're actually drenched in the body spray. Well, both. And they become a fat axe clown. <laughs> That's yes. something you encounter at the worst kind of bars. That fat axe. <laughs> oh. Alright, so... Really the most interesting thing about this game to talk about is this whole meta concept of trying to build your own popularity up because it improves your hit points and gets you bonuses and better gear requisitions. Because the actual meat and potatoes rules of this game aren't that complicated. Oh no, it's, it's a fairly simple game. They even have a... Uh, basic rules system, and then a- another like couple pages of optional rules. So the optional rules uh, add some complexity, but baseline you've got your stats, uh, your generic strength, dex, and intellect like you'd normally have. Then you get fitness instead of constitution, mm-hmm. uh, your willpower, your perception, uh, and your attractiveness because normally I hate attractiveness in a game. But in a game that's all about being sort of a cartoon superhero type thing, I don't know why I don't have a problem with it in this. But you have an attractiveness stat. Well, it, it's got a it's got a uh, a paired stat that that kind of takes some of the edge off because you can get a poor roll in your attractiveness stat, but still have a super high PR. Oh yeah, because public relations is your last like rolled stat, right? And that is just do you get onto the TV show or on the radio or in the comic books? Do you have an action figure? So on and so on. Right. So when you first start the game, you're a new agent. So your PR stat, even if you roll fairly well, isn't going to be ridiculously high. Yeah, because it, it goes super high up. Now, the way that you roll stats in this game, if I remember correctly, is each stat is 4d10. Yeah, you're going to get your uh, d10s for each ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got an average of about... 20 for a stat, mm-hmm. uh, but the normal human average is a 10, Yes. so, so you... right off the bat, you are twice as good as a normal human in everything. Right. Uh, you can, I mean, unless you happen to roll particularly poorly. 4d10 is very swingy. It's a range of 4 to 40. Well, yeah. You, so... sh- you should probably be better than a human in basically everything, but yeah. there is the chance that you're like, I've got a 6, great. It's funny because the uh, the book keeps giving uh, the NPCs it describes, like in the skill sections and so on, super crazy high stats. Where it's like Weasel, Weasel, by the way, is the thief version of uh, on the GI Joe team. Yeah, and uh, his it's like he has to pick up the pickpocketing skill, and he does that by adding a couple of D10 rolls to his dexterity score to pick up his basic skill for pickpocketing. Weasel has a forty dexterity. It's like you know the odds on that are one in a thousand, right? Huh. <laughs> like it's not it's not easy. Well, yeah, but most of the named NPCs in here are generally super like, high level, actually high level. Like yeah. they have PR scores that are like ninety eight. Yeah, except that that doesn't make sense for him picking up the the uh, pickpocketing skill. Then he right, he never had it. He's a professional then. thief. That's what that's what his thing is. No, he's a professional weasel. Oh, he's a professional weasel. So we should be hanging around with Deadpool a lot. Yeah, and that... also really smelling very bad and being illegal in California. No, that's ferrets. Although I, I assume weasels are also illegal in California. Yeah, it's all mustelids. Yeah, yeah. We just don't like mustelids here, except for badgers. You want to bring a badger in? We're cool with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or a ba- or a badger. Or badger. 
Or Badger, 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 Badger. Good lord! Hey, it's 1992 game! I am bringing this shit back! It's time for a snake! Ooh, it's a snake! Oh my god. How many of our audience do you think is even gonna get that? I don't know. Look up Badger, Badger, you sons of bitches if you don't know it. You, you get prime internet. That is, that is the primordial internet goo from which the current internet was born. You remember like 10 years ago when Comic Con used that as their art asset? And everything had badgers and mushrooms all over it. <laughs> it was amazing. I guess it wasn't any particular superhero's anniversary that year. Lol. Because normally that's all they do. They just go, who's, who's that? Oh, it's Aquaman's 75th anniversary. Happy Aquaman, Comic Con. We'll put him on all the signs. Yeah. But no, it was just, hey, you remember? You remember this? We're about five years too late for it, but do you remember this? Here it is. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. So, you roll a bunch of D10s to get your statistics. You do. Four of them. And then you get them, and then you've got a couple derived. You've got your hit points. Mm-hmm. Which is half PR and half something else. I forget. Because uh, you have two different hit point totals. Oh, right. Yeah, you, you have, have your, your survival points. Yeah, your survival points and your consciousness points. Yes. Uh, every weapon in the game has a split in damage. It will do uh, survival points damage and consciousness points damage. Uh, some does more to one than the other, depending on what you're using. So if you're using, like, a blunt instrument, it's going to do more consciousness point damage, so it'll knock people out easier. This actually leads to one of my very favorite things in this game, which is that the laser weapons do way more consciousness points than than survival points. The laser weapons in the game are the popular weapons because they're designed to knock your opponent unconscious. And in this game, it's bad to kill your opponents. Yeah, there's actually penalties you can take permanently to your PR if you, like... Kill an enemy when you could have taken him in alive, if you do any sort of, like, civilian casualties. Yeah, if you're shooting at point-blank range when you don't need to be, you're rewarded for acting like G.I. Joe. Yeah, if you get right up next to someone, shooting them is frowned upon, you should get into a fist fight and kind of roll around on the ground with them and try to subdue them. Or kick a gun away, or something like that, yeah. Because that makes for better reading for the comic book, yeah. and... For plots for the TV show. But, you know, on the uh, on the original G.I. Joe show, they always had lasers because they were operating during a time period where putting actual bullets on the air was considered bad for little kids. So, uh... Which well, yeah, because you could get case. hit with a laser, and they were like, whatever, he got hit with a laser. That doesn't mean he's dead. Yeah, well, lasers just look good missing. I don't think anyone ever got hit with a laser on G.I. Joe unless they didn't have a name. Uh, I think, yeah, unless it was crucial to the plot that someone get hit by a laser, then it didn't ever happen. Yeah, they were just flying around over the battle a lot, and then every once in a while a plane would get shot down with a laser. That was all you ever saw. Yeah. But on this, in this game, they fixed that problem by saying lasers don't really kill people, they just knock them unconscious. Yeah, lasers don't kill people, ace agents kill people. <laughs> ace agents who are bucking the rules and using guns kill people. Yeah, and then you've also got your uh, hand-to-hand damage is also its own derived stat that you get to uh, it's a strength score divided by 10, and then you add that to, uh, any hand-to-hand combat you do. Yeah, and there's also weapon damage that gets added to that. For example, if you have your hand-to-hand divided by 2 or 10, and it ends up at a 3, because you had a, above a 30 in your, in your strength, and then you take a knife, that knife will have a survival point damage of plus 7, so you'll add that and get 10 for your damage that you deal in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Uh, and usually the actual, like, melee weapons are way better at killing people unless you're using, like, a club or something blunt. Which is a bit disappointing, because you want to knock people unconscious in close combat, because killing people in close combat's the worst thing you can do. Oh yeah, well that's why you don't use a sword. Yeah, you just, you just use a club. Yeah, you get, like, a baton or something. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
So, you get all of that, and then... Then there's the skill system, which is way too big for a game like this. Okay. Now, normally, anyone who has listened to this for a while knows that one of my biggest pet peeves is a skill list that goes on forever and is way too granular. Oh yeah, this one has different skills for sonar and radar. Oh yeah, no, the, the skills in this, I think I counted and there were... Not including things like specialties in medicine that you can get. Something around the order of like 85, 90 different skills. Mm-hmm. Of which you get 15 dice worth of uh, starting skill points. Yeah, you roll that and you get a whole bunch of skill points you can put in it's, there. It's weird the way it works. You get a number of D10s to assign to your skills. And I think it's you get uh, you get 10 skills specifically for combat. And then you get... you get uh, That's 10 dice specifically for yeah, combat they, skills. They did split up. They siloed off combat skills and non-combat skills, which is a great idea. Oh, it's awesome. And then they give you a further 20 dice to assign to your uh, any skills you want. You can keep putting them into combat if you want, but there's 20 skills that you can... Or dice that you have to put... Or that you get to put wherever you want. So they want everyone to be, have a base level of combat competency. Now, the way that those dice work is you say, All right, I'm going to put one die into pickpocket. And then you roll that die and get a 7, and that's your base starting pickpocket skill value. Then you take that and add it to whatever the skill associated with pickpocketing is. Probably dexterity or fitness. Probably, yeah. And then, so you take your dexterity skill, which is going to be like a 30, add it to your pickpocketing skill, which is a 7. You have a 37 in pickpocketing. Hooray! That's how it works. You can put more dice in there if you want to be especially good at one particular skill. Yeah. So you get a lot of dice to start with to put into your skills. And generally your baseline is going to be whatever you rolled plus usually about 20. Mm -hmm. So you're going to start with probably about a 25. Yeah, unless you... at the at the low end, if you put only one die in there. Yeah, really, it's a trap to say, all right, I got, I have a total of twenty five skill dice I can spend. I should spend all of them on twenty five of these eighty five different skills. I don't think that's actually what you should do. What you should do is be like, I want five skills, and I'm going to be awesome at them. Well, the this honestly didn't bother me as much, and there's a couple reasons for why I didn't hate the ridiculous skill system in this as opposed to a lot of other things. Uh huh. One is. Okay, so you get a whole bunch of skill dice to start with. Okay. But the the point of your character is usually you have something that you're supposed to be good at. So if I'm playing, like, a pilot, if I'm a wrong way type character like in this... If you're a launch pad, McHonk. Yeah, if I make Ponch Lad Ponch McHonk... Lad. Yeah, Ponch Lad McHonk. Then I'm going to make a character that's all about piloting things, so I'm going to have, like, just put dice into the piloting skills, and I'll have my combat skills... But I don't need to have anything like, oh, do I need to have botany or chemistry or foraging or any of that? No, of course not. That's not what my character does. Uh, and so the fact that you're supposed to be playing this uh, almost a caricature of an idea mm-hmm. makes it work slightly more for me. Well, you're playing as an action figure. Action figures do one thing. All those guys were always they named things like Scuba Man. Oh, yeah. What's your power? Scuba stuff. So, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, if I'm playing Snake Eyes, the equivalent of that in this game, I'm just going to be a ninja, I'll have stealth, I'll have a bunch of combat skills, but I'm not going to have anything like, oh, do you ever see, like, Snake Eyes doing something crazy like, oh, yeah, now he fixes a computer. No, that doesn't happen. He's a ninja. Yeah. He's not going to upgrade my RAM. He has a, a lot of points in oratory, surprisingly. He would, I don't know why exactly. It's weird. Yeah, he never talks, but, <laughs> but yeah, he's really good at oratory. He knows all of the Shakespeare soliloquies. All of them. All of them. Uh, he knows the one from Troilus and Cressida. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, there's another reason 
that I don't really hate this system as well, and that's because of a rule they have later on, which is in the Ace Agents system, they have a memory implantation that they can do at the base. Oh yeah, that's going to come up in my least favorites. So it's one of my favorites, so we get a difference of opinion here. Oh, it won't be like that. (laughs) It's going to be a friendly disagreement. So... The way it works is there's two different modes you can do. The general one is you can get implanted generally with the skills of someone who knows something. Mm-hmm. And so it gives you a baseline competency, which is 30% is being competent yeah, in if something. You have, if you have 30% or higher in a skill, you assume baseline competency, which is something that's required for certain abilities in the game. And it also means if you have baseline competency, there's a lot of stuff you don't roll for. Like if, right. if I have a baseline competency in computers... I don't need to roll to try and upgrade my RAM. I can just do that. You, yeah, and the, the, there's also certain weapons and armor that require competency before you can use them. Like, uh, if you want to wear the big crazy battle suit, which I think was basically introduced in G.I. Joe, the first live-action movie, yeah. then uh, you're going to want a ba- baseline competency in the armor, otherwise you can't even put it on. Yeah. yeah. So, the that ability they have at the base, so if they go, alright, we're sending you on a mission against Python... It's at an underwater base, which they need you to assault. And if you're part of the team and you don't have swimming at all, they can go, great, we're going to put you in this chair. We're going to zap your brain with uh, swimming knowledge. You'll get a 30 in it. Great. Now, uh, they also have another level which can get you up to a 50% in one skill. Mm-hmm. But you basically take on the entire personality of someone. Right. The When you get just the 30% competency... You usually get some quirk, because they tell the person whose uh, skills that they sucked with the machine to be like, alright, only think about this skill. So if they had an itch while they were thinking about the skill, then your character might constantly have a phantom itch. If they were uh, twitching their leg, you might just absentmindedly twitch your leg. Right. Stuff like that. Have you guessed what my least favorite part is yet? Because it's right there. Yeah, is it the fact that it gives you dumb quirks? It's the part that it makes you gay. (laughs) Because uh, there's the one where if the person was of the opposite gender, then you will be constantly attracted to people of the same gender, and you'll constantly make inappropriate and lewd comments. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's yeah. it's the early 90s. It's the early 90s, so they didn't quite have that, like, self-published on uh, Amazon book thing where the, you know, forced memory implantation, forced to be gay <laughs> <laughs> type books. But uh, it sure, this book certainly could do that. It could. It at least doesn't quite go into it, but it does have that whole... It has that there, and of course, in like the seduction skill section, it's like, yeah, for members of the opposite sex. Which, again, least 92. My, least of my favorite joke in this book. Because every section in this book has one of my least favorite things in an RPG in it, which I'm tolerating because this book's pretty fun. Which is the NPC introducing you to that section. It's never as funny as the writers think. Oh no. But I will say this. For a comedy RPG, it's only introduction to the chapter and sidebars. Right. They keep the voice of, like, the comedy voice out of the actual rules explanation. Yeah. Which, that's been the thing that has pissed me off about every comedy RPG we've read so far in this podcast, is every time they're like, Hey, chuckleheads, if you want to do... I'm like, oh my god, just tell me what the role is. Don't fucking try and be funny while you're telling me what the ability to shoot a gun does. Yeah, every time they write like that, it, it reads like the waiter at a stand-up joint. 
like trying his stand up out on his tables. <laughs> it's that level of comedy. <laughs> Forced and irritating. But yeah, during the skill section, which is introduced by Lady Lethal, who is an accountant accountant and mom who decides to become a G.I. Joe because she's angry about accountant stuff. She, during this seduction skill, she has a sidebar where she says, try this on me and all you'll end up with is a sore jaw. And my first thought was, was often my attempts at seduction end up with me having a sore jaw. I mean, yeah, if I'm doing it right. Exactly. If I'm doing it right, I'm going to get some soreness of the jaw. What, what's wrong? I, I guess Lady Lethal just really likes the oral stuff. Oh, yeah. That must be no, what, that's what she's saying. That's exactly what she's It's like, try this on me and I'm going to wrap my legs around your head like a vice. (laughs) You aren't going nowhere until you finish the job. Or until I implant alien eggs in your stomach. One of those things. I mean, maybe both. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So that's, uh, that was one of my favorite silly sidebars in this. Oh yeah. They've got uh, a bunch of their dumb named character stuff. We'll do sidebar things like they'll explain uh, like what a role does. So like the example of play is all in sidebars and it's all done, uh, by the characters, but the regular text of the game is just, here's the text of the game. This is how you play the game. Right. Great. So it works pretty well. And it's all a percentile roll under, which is super easy. Oh yeah. It's very easy to do. It does lead to you having kind of hilariously low chances to do anything. Uh, at least to start. Yeah. The yeah. other... Okay, so the other reason that I didn't hate the skill system as well is every mission, you get, like, five D10s to put in your skills. Yeah, you get a, you, you go up very quickly in this game. So basically, let's say you start the game out and you have a, a, a hilarious, like, 27% chance to drive, which is sad. By the time you finish your first mission, you get a bunch of D10s that you can assign as you want. You take each D... You don't roll them... And get a pool of points that you can put wherever you want. Yeah, you just place your D10s. You place the dice first. So you say, alright, I'm going to put a die into driving. You roll that, you get a 6, and your 27 becomes a 33. Yep. So that's that's actually pretty neat. Oh yeah, no, I like that pretty much they want you to uh, get better very quickly. Like, you start out as sort of a crap new agent, mm. but if there's something you do, like, if there's like, okay, I am the aqua guy i'm whatever i'm scuba steve scuba steve all right sure if i am scuba steve and i want to be all about the scuba bars then i can put my points into swimming and uh scuba and all that nonsense and if i say wanted to put points in other things so i didn't put all of my points in there but i started with like a 50 and i wanted to go to like a hundred i could do that after a mission basically Right. Although I think there are penalties to the cost if you want to go above 80 in the skill. Like, it gets more expensive, you need to put more dice into it. In fact, I think to move from 80 to 90, it's 10 dice per die is the trade-off. Uh, you so start, I think you start saving up, initially it's like 4 dice per, and then going from like 90 to 100 is 10 or something. Yeah, it gets pretty crazy. You can also intri- increase your base attributes, although it is a weird mechanic that uh, in- improving your base attributes does not then improve the skills that you already have. Yeah, but if you get a new skill after you've uh, increased your attribute, then it will use your new attribute as the baseline. I feel like they wanted to do that to make the math simpler, but ultimately it just means that you get penalized for taking good skills first. Like, if you have strength and sword guy, you're like, I'm a sword guy. I have strength and sword. All right, you get better at strength. All right, I should get better at sword. No, but you would get better at bow, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a little. I feel like they should have just said, "All right, every time you introduce the ba- you increase your base skill, you also increase everything that flows out of it." Yeah. Oh well. So, uh, combat works pretty easily. Uh, you roll to see 
uh, if you hit a guy, yeah, and then there's uh, there's defenses that they can apply to your to your which work as penalties applied to the main role. I think uh, you there are I think up to like you add it or subtract it to your role because you're trying to roll under. So if you've got a particularly good position and you aim or whatever, you can get up to like I've got a minus twenty on my roll to roll under. Uh, if they're like dodging and hiding behind cover you can get up to i think like a plus 50 to your roll if you get all mm-hmm. of the modifiers yeah and it, it has rules for going into cover that are very nice and simple it doesn't have the, sh- the hit location stuff so nope it just it's just a are you in cover you you get hit 50 percent less it also has rules for dropping prone to put yourself into artificial cover briefly and most of this is only in the uh like the expanded rules yeah like the baseline rules are just you shoot at a guy if he has cover or is doing something, the GM will just tell you whether or not you get a bonus or a penalty, and then you roll, and you do that, and it's very straightforward. Like, all of the optional combat rules are, here are rules for actual cover or going prone. Here are rules for, like, range increments, because range increments weren't really a thing in the baseline game, Mm. but they're like, if you want to worry about, oh, can I shoot that guy? Is he too far away? You can use that. Uh, and it has automatic weapons as a thing. Oh, yeah, which is a little complicated, but... It just adds uh, more accuracy because they go, the point isn't to hit a guy with multiple bullets, it's to make sure at least one hits him. Right, and I believe that was the same rule they used all the way back in the Palladium games. So, you know, ultimately, it, it, none of this really bothers me. It's a, it's a reasonably functional combat system. There are three different initiative systems you can choose from, but they amount to roll for your own initiative, roll for your side's initiative, or just let the DM tell you who goes. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, right. The, uh, the other thing they've got on this is it does have a crit success, crit failure. Oh, yeah. And which it's, is it's the 5% very, either way. Yeah, 5% at the bottom or 5% at the top. And it... it Pointedly has no rules for what happens at all in either case. Uh, it just says you as the DM should figure this shit out. Oh yeah. Well, it's all right. If you roll the one through five, you succeed regardless of what's going on. It's a great success. So if you're trying to do something, make sure it's great. Uh, and it's if supposed to there's... be comedic. That's the, the the whole. They have a section for the DM where they're like, look. Oh yeah. If if something crazy like that happens, if you get that ten percent swing at the top and bottom of the chart, that's that's, oh, an amazing thing happened. Everyone's going to be looking to you to describe what it is. Oh, yeah. If, if they get a super success on their shot, have it bounce off the walls several times and then hit the guy. What a, okay, and one of my uh, actual gripes with that is when they're talking about the spectacular success, they then give you an example where it fucks up the player to get a success that good. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. He's trying to amplify the sound when he's trying to eavesdrop in someone in another room. He gets a spectacular success... So he amplifies it so much it blows out his eardrum, and you're like, oh, great, thanks. I, I was so good, I fucked myself up. I believe that was being handled by one of the G.I. Joe analogs we haven't talked about yet. Retrofit. Retro yeah, retrofit. There are at least a couple that we haven't mentioned. Uh, Dr. Caduceus. Caduceus, yeah, Catacheus. Uh, let's see, Major Firepower and uh, Gre- Grease Crank, Crank Grease. Crank case, gre- gear shift, grease ball, grease kank. Oh wait a minute, no, grease ball was the little dwarf guy. That <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> now that's offensive, sir. <laughs> sir, I find that offensive. Grease cankles. That's that's the one. <laughs> yes, grease cankles. Thank you for that's, getting there. Eventually, that's the one we haven't mentioned yet. We found it's, it. He's like a mechanic or something, and his pictures. His picture is my favorite thing in the book because he's like his eyes are looking in two different directions, and he has the big dumb smile. He's just like, bang, fix cars. <laughs> oh, 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 no. <laughs> so, 
I mean, he literally has very wide set, crazy looking eyes. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. The gear, the next section of the book is gear, and there is a crap load. Oh, yeah. Uh, there are no real guns in this game. Everything has been made up for the game. Now, there is no money in this game. Oh, no. Everything that you are going to get is uh, given to you by the command, and they send you to Larry. Larry is the guy in charge of giving out equipment. Oh, yes. And he is so stingy. He doesn't. He's he's technically an ace agent, just like you. But his his code name is Larry. This is a, a pretty standard joke. I feel like in modern making fun of GI Joe. This was this was the thing in the cheat commandos, and it was also a thing on on uh, Archer. Yeah, the guy behind the glass who's just like, yeah, yeah. Here's your rocket launcher. Sign this sheet. Yes, he is in charge of handing out all of your ridiculous stuff, and you get a allotment of what you can get, and mm-hmm. each item has a PR cost. So the more uh, well-known and awesome you are, the more willing they are to give you cool stuff. Yes. So if I've got a PR of 32, I have 32 PR points to get equipment. So it's like, all right, this armor costs five PR points. This gun costs me 10 and so on and so on. And the scaling gets pretty crazy. Like some of the vehicles are like, how many PR does this cost? 3,200. Oh yeah. Well, they're like, this is only going to happen if specifically your commander says, I'm giving you this for this mission. Right. So there's a lot of gear that's that's got a crazy high PR score that's hard to get. Like yeah, the, uh, you can't you can't make a character who's like, I'm all about driving a tank. Yeah. That's what I do. My character's name is Battlesuit. His power is that he has the battlesuit. Oh, sorry, you need 250 PR to get the battlesuit, so yeah. which I mean you can get to. The most of your stats and skills have a cap, but the PR just goes up every mission. Yeah, you can get a, it's part resources. Although there is a max to how much it can influence your hit points. Oh yeah, it stops influencing your hit points at some point, but the amount that it affects, like, the equipment you can get and how much money you get, I think it stops giving you extra money at, like, 200 PR. Right, you're you're make, you're pulling the max salary that the Ace Agent can draw at that point. Yeah, you get cash, but you don't have to spend it on equipment. It's just sort of whatever you want. I know, it's nice. it's nicely abstracted. It doesn't have all that stuff about how much it costs to buy a loaf of bread or get a hotel for the night or get a dinner on the town. It's like, no, you're a G.I. Joe. If you go to dinner, you go to dinner. The end. Going, Moving on. Yeah, no, there's no like, oh, well, if you want to do a thing, this is how much it'll cost out of your budget. No, well, who cares? Mark down a $7 penalty for eating at McDonald's. <laughs> wow, $7 at McDonald's? In 1992? La-dee-da! Right, what the yeah. hell are you getting? Well, he was getting a McDLT. It is 1992. <laughs> Ooh, I want to get that Arch Deluxe. Nice. I want the I want my hot side hot and my cool side cool. Yeah, and I want Jason Alexander to tell me about it. Absolutely. I also want one of those many types of hot pie that they have discontinued since. <laughs> like the hot chocolate pie. Oh, man. I want that brief shining moment when McDonald's served pizza. Oh, yeah. Or when they did the finger foods and it included a bunch of, like, Asian, like, like they did a egg rolls. Yeah, egg rolls. Yeah. Remember that? I also want a Happy Meal that comes in a plastic boat. Yeah, that's what I want, McDonald's. The hell happened with that stupid box that looks like it's alive? Oh Get out of here with that thing. That's terrible. Give me a goddamn bucket. Yeah, but a bucket for trick-or-treating, which is not big enough for trick-or-treating. Yeah, it's a bucket that holds maybe, like, 
a block's worth of candy, and then you're like, oh, goddammit, why didn't I get myself a pillowcase? Pillowcase, the only thing you should trick-or-treat with. Right? If you're going out there trick-or-treating with anything but a pillowcase, I feel bad for you. You're a kid, you have one night all year that you have to do some fucking work on. Take the right tools. Also, what do you mean a kid? I am going out every Halloween. I work my ass off (laughs) with that pillowcase. I go out and I dress myself as Dorf on golf so that people might think I'm a kid. (laughs) Got shoes on my knees and I want some candy I just follow around a group of kids I go up with them And they're like, oh, are you their chaperone? I'm like, yeah, sure sure. Yeah, but I'm a kid at heart Candy me up Uh, Candy? Uh, Oh, I got a a kid, he's shy Yeah, also except frozen pizzas (laughs) You got a hot pocket in there I can get? (laughs) How about a beer? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that that would be the best we should make that the night after Halloween tradition. Oh, you, yeah. You walk up and down the block and ask for beers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That was a there weird you. diversion. There we go. That All right, happened. great. So then there's a big bestiary, and it's mostly just the rules for the various Python agents and some descriptions of how Python operates. It mentions that Python, for example, does not know what their name stands for, but they have an active contest because they're just as media savvy as the G.I. Joes. Oh, yeah. They are all about their image as well. Yeah. And they steal a shitload of money, which is how they're funded, mm-hmm. unlike the G.I. Joe... Which is funded by marketing. Is, yeah. Yeah, and in fact, that leads to some bad blood between Python agents and Ace agents, because the Python agents don't get paid for their TV appearances. Oh yeah, they don't get any royalties if like a Python agent action figure sells, they see none of that. Yeah, so they get really mad about that, and that's one of the sources of conflict in this game. Yep, which is great, I love that. That's That's brilliant. Although, if you ask me, that just means that Python should really be putting out their own comic book. I don't know why they aren't. Well, I don't know who's going to publish them. I mean, come on. It's publishing. That is a... Even in 92, that was a dying industry. There's got to be someone who's, like, ready to get on board with that. Like, it's a comic book? Oh, my God. Especially 92. That's the Iron Age of comics. Oh, come on. They could call it Python Blood Death. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they could contact Image and be like, look, you just started up. Look, Liefeld. Liefeld, deal with me, baby. we got to make a comic about Radsuit. And he'd be like, well, how many pouches are on that suit? And they'd be like, oh, it's it's like a radiation suit. Like, hundreds. You can put so many pouches on there, it doesn't matter. Ah, let me talk feet. Yeah. You never have to see his feet. It's in a cloud of radiation. Nice. Sold. Sold. Bingo. Liefeld produces rad suit, dead shot, blood blood, money blood. <laughs> oh, money blood. <laughs> <laughs> Always helping out James Bond. <laughs> Mrs. Money Bloody. <laughs> Uh, Alright, so... So, it's got rules... Uh, again, something that this game does that a lot of other games have that I like, how it just sort of goes, this isn't important and glosses over it, is healing. So many games have healing time where it's like, oh, you got messed up. You're in the hospital for three months. And you're like, okay, this doesn't matter. It's even worse when it, when it translates it directly into game sessions. Oh, yeah. We've only seen that like twice, but when that happens, that, that causes steam to rise from my ears. But in this, they went, oh, they have so much money that they have an experimental zone that they just do crazy tech things with. Yeah, they have like a Reed Richards. Yeah. So, out of that place is where they got all their laser guns and plasma shenanigans and all of their high-tech gear. But they also invented a pretty much regeneration machine. So instead of being like, oh, I'm in the hospital for three months, it's, I go sit in the regen machine and it grows my arm back and I get completely healed, and it takes like a day. And they even make a pill that does the same thing as the regen machine, but it causes weird side effects. Yeah, so it's, oh, if you're out in the field, and you can't go back to base, 
here's a pill for the regen so that you also aren't just missing missing sessions. Yeah, the only side effect is it might make you gay. <laughs> that's, that's the side effect on everything. I know, it's annoying. It's not really the side effect on this. I'm being no, funny. but that would be great. <laughs> it would be though. pretty great. Although, at that point, you just start to think that that's just an excuse the agency uses for how gay they all are. Like, it's just... It's, <laughs> it's just, just a cover. It's just a big old gay club that turned into a military organization. They're, like, they're like, yeah, it's pills. Oh, no, it was a side effect. Oh, no. S- secret pills forced me gay. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that sounds like something you would see on, like, a... 1992 Weekly World News, like, <laughs> Regeneration Pills Forced Me Gay! Or a book. It would make sense in a modern Amazon self-published title. <laughs> really? Because normally with that, I think it's like, Pounded in the Butt by My Butt. I know, that's a real one. Pounded in the Butt by My Book, Pounded in the Butt by My Own Butt. <laughs> Another real book. Yes. Yeah. The, the recursion on these is yeah. amazing. Secret Pills Forced Me Gay and Then I Became a Sex Dinosaur's Butler. Actually, also, Secret Pills Forced Me Gay sounds like something that would be on The Sun. It's not like yeah. the actual sun, but the the, the printed Writ- media. Written on The Sun. Yeah, something is, Python did. That is, that is a Python scheme. They wrote <laughs> Secret Pills Turned Me Gay on The Sun. <laughs> it's like Chairface Chippendale. Writing the first three letters of his name on the moon. Cha. <laughs> It was never going to work. It takes up so much of the moon. Right? Even just those three letters is basically all you can see. I'm like, where are you going to fit the rest? This is going to be one You're of those wrap things. wrap around. Yeah, where you like have to write it tiny and it kind of loops down. Was, oh, yeah. I'd have to get smaller and smaller and loop down and get closer together. Because you can't write it all the way around the moon. We never see the other side. Uh, and most it would say chai. Like, like he's my- just advertising for tea. <laughs> My gosh, it's almost like his plot was nonsensical. <laughs> almost like you think a man with a chair for a head couldn't come up with an especially good supervillain plan. <laughs> uh, and yet, in a sense, I am corn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, that, that, that was the tick, for anyone tick. who didn't know. Yeah, this uh, this game's put us in a fairly good mood, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you want to get to the final final socks? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk about the best worsts. Sure, John. What would you say is your favorite thing about Ace Agents? Uh, my favorite thing in this book is definitely going to be the comedy of this book. Actually, worked for me. Now we had talked uh, last time about the satire-ish game that was Hole, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and. Human Occupied Landfill's satire parody really missed for me because instead of being an actual satire or parody of something, it was just references to stuff and then making those references dirty and disgusting. And my understanding, based on, you know, fans telling us what, what the actual answer was, is that it was a parody of Old World of Darkness. Which even then, it was sort of parodying the tone a little but it didn't really parody the game. It didn't parody any setting. It was just like, oh, it's everything's dark and grim. And you go, well, yes, if there was a parody to that, then that would work. But it was mostly just, it's dark and grim, like any other game. Except we didn't go far enough with this to make it a parody. It's just a dark, grim game. Right. Okay. Well, in this game, though, you feel that the parody I, worked. Yeah. The the commentary on G.I. Joe, instead of it just being like, okay, we made you G.I. Joes and we're doing, but you're a comedy G.I. Joe. You're all inept or whatever. 
it had a commentary on the commercialization of, like, the 80s cartoons. Uh, it had an explanation for where all of their weird tech comes from. Yeah, why lasers are so prevalent. I thought that was great. Yeah, no, it takes the humor of the parody and turns it into something that works for the game. It explains a lot about G.I. Joe. If G.I. Joe operated the way this book operates their agents, it, it would make a lot more sense. Otherwise, you know, when a soldier steps out of the woods and starts talking to five kids in a playground, it's and they're all like, oh my gosh, it's Tracker! They're oh, yeah. not like, oh my god, it's a creepy old veteran! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it makes perfect sense for yeah. me. I think that's what worked best in this. Hey kids, let's talk about creepy pedo stalkers. <laughs> Is this, what is that, a Python agent? Yeah, it's Python. Well, no, that's a G.I. Joe thing. There'd be a G.I. Joe guy coming out of the woods and be like, Kids, remember not to talk to strangers. Who the hell are you? <laughs> I'm a stranger. I'm, talk to me. I'm a military officer. Lots of people are military officers. <laughs> Lots of creepy people. Yep. All right. So what would you say your favorite thing is? My favorite thing about this game is going to be the uh, weird skill system. I like the way that it works with getting D10s that you get to assign every time you start a new... Uh, like, every time you finish a mission, you get some D10s. You get big rewards based on how well you stayed in the in the flavor of your character and also in the flavor of G.I. Joe. Like, oh, you never killed anyone on this mission, but you still got the job done. Yeah, you did collateral damage, which everyone loves, but you didn't hurt any innocents. So that's great. Yeah, so that sort of thing was awesome. And I like the way that you get immediate gratification. It's not... For a game from 92, I usually expect it to be like, alright, after four sessions, you should give your players one XP, and they can buy a skill for five XP. But if they try to buy a skill, make sure it breaks. Oh yeah, there. It was so stingy for so many games of this era. Yeah. That the fact that they were like, "What did you do a thing? Here's a big old bucket of rewards. Fucking go hog wild." Yeah, it was I, amazing. I like that. I like that this game kind of throws the rewards out there, tries to keep the game fast paced and interesting. So for me, I thought that was great by comparison to a lot of games from this era, which were stingy and not only stingy but also just uh, adversarial. We're going to be like, oh, did your player get good at scuba diving? You should punish him. Make sure his scuba equipment is given to him broken. That or you had those systems where it was like, oh, you finally saved up enough XP to try and go up in this skill? Roll, Roll for it. Yeah, that's... Oh, the... you failed. You lose the XP. Yeah, that that doesn't happen in this. Uh, but so, so, yeah, I like that. What would you say is your least favorite thing about Ace Gents? <laughs> uh, probably my least favorite thing in here uh, is going to be the... The combat system itself is, while very simplistic, probably a little too simplistic. The biggest thing for me is everything has that whole uh, survival point and consciousness point damage. Mm -hmm. thing is, it deals both every time. Right, so you have to keep tracking two sets of hit points. Yeah, so if I shoot someone with a gun, it's like, alright, well I did 12 survival points and I did 8 consciousness points... And what's your armor? Okay, we subtract both from the survival point in the armor and the consciousness point in the armor. And then I take that away from my total. It just... The, the split was a good idea. I just feel like you should have chosen between the two every time you attacked. Mm -hmm. You go, I'm trying to murder or I'm trying to knock out with any weapon. So you'd go, alright, I'm attacking you with a sword. Or I'm going to try and do a pommel strike. So that means... I'm doing consciousness point damage. It doesn't do as much as if I was just stabbing you for survival point, but I want to knock you out. The fact that you have to do both every time is weird. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's just a little too bookkeepy. It's there's a lot of bookkeeping. In fact, I was going to say that the consciousness point survival point split was going to be my least favorite thing, but I'll actually move on to something else. All right. So, so what was your least? So favorite? actually, before we go there, I'm, I I agree. It's a little overcomplicated, especially I feel like the vehicle combat system was a little. Yeah, yeah. They had a lot of uh, structure point instead of like consciousness point thing. I feel like somewhere between 1985 and 1995, there was one guy wandering around the Hollywood of RPG design. I'm not sure what's Lansing, Michigan, probably just wandering around with a trench coat completely full of hex grids he was selling to people. He was like, hey, take take your game that doesn't have any fucking hexes in it and put them into the vehicle combat, huh? Make it about that so everything can turn 30 degrees. Yeah, it was weird because they were like, oh, if you want to use minis because you want to use, like, ranges on weapons, you can do that. But mostly just sort of abstract it. And then it got to vehicle combat and was like, Hex grid. Always hex grid. Hex grid. 30 degree turn. Every two moves. And it's like, oh, again, this is the same vehicle combat in every game that had a vehicle combat for decades. Yeah. Uh, where did they get it? Where was it coming from? It was one guy. So, one, some Johnny Hexelseed. Yeah, some guy had a company that made hex maps, and he's like, yeah. you gotta help me out. Yeah, that Gil's guy. Gil's gotta make a deal. <laughs> Gil Hexelseed. That's who was doing it. There you go. All right. So, uh, you already know what my least favorite is. I already said it. Yep. I really don't like the 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 gay jokes from the '90s. I know it makes me hectoring because uh, you know maybe they didn't know better, but uh, it's still it's just so annoying to me whenever I run into one of those. So I, I'm gonna say the whole oh if you get brain implantation from a girl, it makes you a queer mo. And I'm like no, don't 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 do that. It's like at least. I'll give it that it doesn't do things like say queer mo. It's no. just you'll be attracted to members of the opposite sex. And you'll make inappropriate comments. Is yeah. the one inappropriate? Come on, gay comments are entirely appropriate. I, I I'm just glad it stopped there and it didn't be like, well, you know, you'll, you're... no, you'll make inappropriate comments about how they're dressed because girl, <laughs> nice <laughs> those shoes with that skirt. I'm glad it stopped there because it could have been worse. It could have been like if you get an implantation from a Chinese guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, there you go. Here's another joke for you from Radsuit. <laughs> Radsuit live at the Apollo. Hey, any of you ever gotten implantations in driving from a Chinese guy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Try the pepper steak. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, there you go. Uh, w- would you play Ace Agents? I would I would definitely play Ace Agents. I think it would be interesting to make a character in there. It plays... Uh, different enough from most things as far as making your character mm-hmm. that you're so encouraged to be one thing that normally when you do that in a game, you're like, oh, you're min-maxing because you tried to get the most in whatever. But here, it's like, no, my guy, he's a driver. That's what he does. He drives. Yeah. So I have a ridiculous score in driving. It's not that I'm min-maxing. It's that that's my action figure. That's my core concept. Yes. So I, I like that. I would I would play this game. Uh, yeah, I think the only problem there is it included a bunch of skills for G.I. Joes that wouldn't make any sense. If you're like, I'm the G.I. Joe who knows everything there is to know about Arcane uh, Botany. I'm really <laughs> Oh, Arcane Botany? Arcane Botany, the, the uh, practice of glo- growing magic plants. Yeah, obviously. I don't see anything wrong with that. It's a perfect G.I. Joe career. Yeah, the alchemist. Yeah, <laughs> even he is dealing primarily in minerals, as the, pro- the, uh, the process of alchemy is transforming lead into gold. Well, that's only one bit of alchemy. The wide world of alchemy has so much more. <laughs> Join 3M as we take you into the world of alchemy. Oh my gosh, is this a 1960s corporate movie about alchemy? <laughs> yes. By 3M? <laughs> 3M, bringing uh, you tomorrow, hey, today. Bill, I hired three alchemists today, and I'm worried about the alchemists of today's youth. They just don't seem to have the drive to get clients the way I used to do. But thanks to the motor truck industry... <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Uh, yeah, so would you play Ace Gents? I want to say yes. I'm going to say yes to this game. It's been a while since we've had a win on the show. Yeah. And, and, and while this game is very simple and very 90s, it's very, it's got that early 90s fly-by-night look, I feel like they came out with a winner here. It's got a, some, it's got some charming new rules. Yeah, this it's, was, what was it, Stellar Games, which yeah. I don't know anything else they've done, but boy, they came out swinging. They, they had quite a game here. I, I would totally play this. I probably wouldn't play it very much. Oh, no. But, I mean, this isn't like... This is going to become my new favorite game. But if someone went, hey man, I'm running Ace Agents, I'd be like, I'll roll up some I don't know where things. you found that, but hell yeah, we're going to play some Ace Agents. <laughs> yeah, that, this would be amazing for a short campaign. Yeah, so absolutely. So there you go. We have two yeses on this one. Hooray! This is very, very rare. Yep. Doesn't come up all that often. Okay, so uh, I think that's about it for Ace Agents. Unless yeah. you got anything else you want to say about it. Uh, Not about that, but I do want to say, hey, our birthday is coming up. Second anniversary. Oh, that is true. Yeah, we have our second podcast anniversary, August 9th. Uh, it coincides with episode 50, which is going to be a special episode. We'll cover something big. Oh, yeah, my dick. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing can cover my dick. Not even not even the works of the great artist Christo could, could generate enough fabric to cover my dick. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Christo <laughs> jokes, everybody. You're Christo. Yeah. It's 80s day here, which is why we're covering uh, Christo, that guy who used to swath things in fabric. Uh, Maybe he still does. I don't know. I don't know. You never know. Yeah, you've been, like, you, do, you do what you love. Yeah. And, and then you loved, never work a day in your life. Yeah, and he loved to buy huge amounts of orange tarp and drape them over a river or something. Yeah. That was what his thing was. Crazy dude. All right, so let's talk a bit about... Yeah, so we do have our podcast anniversary coming up. We've been, yeah. on, we've been doing this for two years. That is ridiculous. It's so dumb that we have been doing this for two years. I don't think I've ever done anything for two years. Yeah. Except your mom. Oh! Wow! <laughs> we're very rad suit in here today. Hell yeah, we're doing the dozens here. <laughs> Playing the dozens. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. Okay, so let's uh, let's wrap this bad boy up with the standard uh, end of podcast fare. This has been the System Mastery Podcast, where you can totally tell us apart, because I'm John. And I'm Jeff. There you go. Now, uh, you can find us on SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Or on Facebook or Twitter, you can follow us on those. You can also uh, find us, give us a, a rate and review on iTunes and Stitcher. That really helps us out. We've been getting the numbers up. If you like what you're hearing, you can support us on Patreon. You can just search System Mastery Patreon. It takes you right to us. If you give us any amount of money, even like, like a dollar, even a lowly dollar, then you get access to our bonus content. Every time we do a System Mastery episode, we also go back into that game and roll up characters and tell you all about them. And we only do that for the Patreon subscribers. So, so if you, you want to hear that... Yeah, if you want to hear us roll up some ace agents... Yeah, that's the place to go. I mean, if you want to see last week when we made uh, Huge McDuck and Elric the Pale So Week, that's the place where you can find it, because those are always there. If you if you uh, log in or support us on Patreon now, you get all the back content. Yep. Awesome stuff. Uh, we also do, God, so many other podcasts at this point. Oh yeah, we've got the Afterthought, after every System Mastery, discussing... Sort of a general theme from the game rather than the game specifically. And we answer fan questions. So if you have any questions at all, and we've made it clear at this point that we love questions that have nothing to do with role-playing games. Please, please ask us stupid crap. I want to tell you how many how many times a week I throw away a question that's, what's your guy's favorite role-playing game? How do you type with boxing gloves on? <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing it back. Pure old internet. Old, so 90s today. I'm going to go Dear Abby. Dear System Mastery, a weird people or couple of people have moved into the street across from me. Dear System Mastery, I never thought it would happen to me. Oh, nice. Penthouse forums to System <laughs> Mastery. But we'll answer any question at all. Try us. And then we've got our Movie Mastery podcast 
where we are reviewing horrible movies because you keep telling us to. That's right. The Movie Mastery Podcast theme is if you send us a movie, we will review it eventually because we add it to a big list and then roll on a random die to determine what the hell movie we're going to watch. Yep. That's it. All these other podcasts are free, by the way. They're all, all on... this and more can be yours yeah. with alchemy at 3M. <laughs> God. All you have to do is stop by systemmasterypodcast.com to get all these various shows. If you would like to send us a book to review, just drop us an email and we will hook you up with a method to do that. Otherwise, until the next show, I've been John. And I'm totally Jeff. Absolutely. That is Jeff over there and not over here. Totally. And this has been System Mastery. Have a nice week.